We're here with uh, the, the, the director of this new film um, uh, called um, Raise the Umbrellas, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so maybe you could introduce yourself. Yeah, I'm Evans Chan. I'm uh, no, I've actually been living in New York for more than two decades now. But I do come back to Hong Kong regularly for various projects. Uh, so, Raise the Umbrellas is my most recent film about Hong Kong, um, and it's a documentary about the 2014 democratic movement in Hong Kong that uh, lasts for 79 days and presumably uh, more than a million people participate in different, on different level, in different capacity. So, yeah, so that, that was uh, mainly what the film is about, that movement. And the key players, um, from political celebrities to just anonymous Students, I mean, anonymous in the sense that they are not uh, really uh, well known, taking yeah, not well known, not taking leadership position. Oh, but yeah. of course, some uh, one at least one took sort of uh, two of them took sort of leadership position. But anyway, yeah. So um, so the the film is not mainly about political celebs. Do you uh, uh, one of the controversies about the film is uh, it has been not shown and it's also been censorship attempts uh, is because they thought that it was more pro-democracy uh, movement yeah but you actually interview people on from different points of view yeah I think yeah uh, one of the yeah there have been a couple of uh, documentaries about uh, the umbrella movement and I think it's been pointed out that my film is the only film that includes right. the opposition, the <laughs> anti-occupy, and also one of the uh, key player of the pro-Beijing faction, uh, uh, Jasper Zhang, who was at the time chairman of the Leg Legislative Council, uh, was being interviewed. Right. Uh, it wasn't very explicit uh, in, in terms of how I present him. So, so I remember after it being shown in um, at Yale, for example, some Chinese students say that there was no uh, pro-China people being interviewed. I don't know. <laughs> they I guess they got they, they just uh, went they over their head. They didn't realize. They didn't recognize. When he yeah. when he was actually you know uh, uh, offering all these pro-Beijing statement. That's I mean maybe because I did not say that uh, he was pro-Beijing uh, oh, as such. Yeah. Yeah, did you decide to do it because you wanted a record of what had gone on? Was it to uh, preserve this historical moment? I've been making films for more than two decades, and you can say that uh, I have chronicled uh, Hong Kong since 1989 up to this moment. Uh, this one is more visible, uh, of course, but then I've been uh, doing something that not many, many people were doing then uh, in terms of taking Hong Kong's political situation more seriously. Uh, my first film to live is about uh, post-tenement Hong Kong. And, um, and then uh, for the 19... 
97 handover, I made Journey to Beijing. And then in 2003, I made a film called The Life and Times of Wu Zhongshan. That is about a pioneering human rights activist, uh, Wu Zhongshan in Cantonese. Uh, and actually that generation uh, was a pioneering generation of activism, social, political, uh, in Hong Kong. Yeah. And already Wu Zhongshan uh, was visiting China uh, to promote human rights causes. Uh, so, I mean, I've been doing that for a long time. Uh, and for this particular film, uh, Raise the Umbrellas, some organizations like the Tai Taipei's uh, 228 Memorial Museum and some local organizations uh, present Journey to Beijing and this film back to back oh, wow. as a panoramic uh, depiction of Hong Kong's changes over the last 20 years, yeah, right. I guess, yeah. 17 years. Yeah. Do you see yourself as a political filmmaker or as an artist or both? I think you can. I mean, they are political artists. Yeah. Um, they're engaged artists. Uh, but not all my films are about uh, politics as such and uh, To Live was not a documentary, it was a dramatic feature and yeah. has a, you know, uh, a subtext uh, or another strand is a love story. Yeah. And with uh, To Live, and even that film was about emigration mm -hmm. or people's movement. Then I have come to appreciate the fact that there are two reasons that motivate people to move. One is often social, political, you know, economic. People look for greener pasture, look for more political stability. And then another reason is for romance, for love. Oh, people yeah. leave one place for another <laughs> for that reason. Yeah. So I think, you know, both axes play out into live. Uh, yeah. And uh, so I always feel that, you know, there are, uh, that's what people's uh, life is about. You know, there are always this political dimension, but there's always another dimension, which is love and death. You know, that is something that at times has no political solution to it. Was, uh, that, was, that, uh, uh, was there any of the films biographical? autobiographical or elements of it maybe the map of sex and love yeah, yeah there yeah. is some there's yeah. some level of that but i mean of course a lot yeah. of it is uh, fictional yeah. i mean uh, some part I, what i mean is certain profile and certain personal experience work into it but in in that sense you know all of my films the personal is always there oh yeah obviously. but um you know, I find it very interesting because at one time people were all saying that my films are so self-effacing <laughs> and now these days everybody say that the film is so much, you know, my style, me, <laughs> you know, my kind of film. So, so you, you always... You uh, can't win. <laughs> yeah, you, you can win and also uh, in a way you... Um, I, I hope that that's the case. I mean... Yeah. Uh, that I always consider virtual, 
you know, in the sense that you you kind of hide yourself in your film, but yet you know yourself is also present. Uh, so I actually took it as a compliment, maybe. But in in this film, you uh, uh, the Umbrella Movement film, is is do you consider it as a point of view film? Yeah. Uh, point of view. Uh, I guess my overall sympathy mm. came through. But in, in a way, you know, I also have journalistic training. I don't want to say or tell people or in an overtly partisan, partis, partisan way, this is what you should do, this is where my heart... I mean, I guess, you know, more or less people right. see where my heart is. I mean, why did I make a film about the Occupy movement and not about the anti-Occupy movement? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think oh, in itself it's already a statement. Yeah, it's a uh, but yeah. but uh, but still, some journalists came to interview me and asked me what's the position. So I end up asking him or her. I said, "So what's your position in interviewing me and asking that question?" Right. So I mean, you can yeah. you know go down and and uh, you know it's like a infinitely recessive question. Uh, I mean, of course, uh, there is a personal. I mean, I can. No one can pretend that his perspective is not there, no matter how objective you try to be or pretend to be. Yes, there is. But on the other hand, I want to show that moment in time. That moment in time is very complex, and all these historical forces, political forces, are at play that make that movement. Visible, and also the movement is also operating in opposition to something. So where's the resistance? Where's the opposition? You also have to know. Yeah. And so that's why I feel that you know those things all have to be there. Now, do you ask me? And some people ask me. My film was not able to convert anybody, meaning I cannot make those anti-occupy people. Uh, should change their mind or vice versa but number one do you think that really makes any difference <laughs> I mean even if 80% of the people are pro-occupied you think the outcome would be any different at this point I my feeling is no and on the other hand my film is not meant to convert in that sense it's too late for the film to convert the film was not broadcast when all these players were, uh, you know, uh, arguing, you know, about tactics or trying to shape the uh, political right. response to that. It's too late for a film uh, to do anything like that. The film is to preserve a historical record, make you aware all these forces at play. Uh, so uh, a, a documentary by the time, I mean, the people confuse the documentary like this with the current affairs program on TV. Like a, it's long, I mean that moment is long gone already, it's I history. See. So I'm more like a historian and a yeah. storyteller. Uh, after your film was shown in um, uh, Kowloon City, I guess, around there mm -hmm. uh, in September, Benny Tai was one of the panelists discussing it. And he said, uh, this is version 1.0. And right now we're in version 2.0 in the crackdown, in the authoritarian crackdown. And then there should be also a version 3.0 about <laughs> the future. So it seems like there's 
different historical moments that have yet I mean, to be I captured. Mean, I mean, of course, I mean, uh, the Hong Kong's future, future right. is an open book. I mean, of course, this is uh, one significant chapter, and who knows what the chapter yeah. is. But then, making a film, at least for me, you always have to find a, an anchorage point, not exactly a point of view, I won't say a point of view, but it's an anchorage point yeah. for me to shape the material and the story. So, do I feel that I've reached that point in making another film? I don't know yet. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't. I think maybe eventually I will uh, make another film. Oh. But uh, but I still don't know. I mean, it is an. I mean, any place history is an open book. I mean, China's yeah. future is an open book. Any place. So. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I mean, it, it, it will be endless, uh, and I have at different point in time have made a film uh, that I feel that focus at that moment, but it's not all I have done. I mean, I've done other films right, as right, well. Right, yeah. right, right. Do you think that um, did you have problems? I mean, uh, when you were making the film of finding the footage that you wanted, uh, was it was most of the footage you you were able to shoot yourself, or how? How did that no, happen? No, no, no. I, it's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get, I mean, you, you have seen the film. Yeah, I saw uh, it. Yeah. yeah, so, uh, no. I mean, it came from very diverse sources. I have a couple of collaborators, and I also have to uh, uh, find archival material. Oh, yeah. And so, I mean, like, uh, uh, you know, like, uh, we got footage from Apple Daily. We got footage from So Red. Uh, we've got, yeah. and then uh, one important uh, source is this uh, melody, you know, uh, Tin Lock. I mean, I oh, forgot yeah. his his his, his uh, name Lock. in English. Oh. Um, and then also the campus TV at Hong Kong U campus oh, yeah, TV, yeah, right. uh, and and also my uh, collaborators, my uh, like uh, Nate Chen, Nora Lam. Uh, uh, you know, they were filming themselves, and I was able to recruit them at one point or another. Uh, and so, I mean, it came from very uh, diverse sources. And so, so, when did you know you were going to do the film? Uh, was it very, during 2014? Very, very early on. Oh, okay. uh, uh, yeah, uh, even 2013. Oh. Me, no, I mean I was I was making another film in 20, in 2013. I was making. Um, this writer's oh, okay. uh, biographical film yeah, about Dong Kai Dong Kai Chan Dong Kai Chan called the name of the rose. No, sorry, the rose of the name. <laughs> the, yeah, the name of the rose was the battle uh, oh, yeah, echo novel. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah. that's how he plays on that title. It became yeah. the rose of the name. So the rose of the name uh, and. I, one reason I picked Dong Kai Chan, of course, he's the leading novelist of his generation of uh, Hong Kong literature. Uh, uh, but other than that, I also realized uh, uh, 2014 would be an eventful year because Benny Tai brought up the idea of Occupy in 2013 already. Right. So uh, in 2013, 13, I when I made the film, my assistant director, Kate Chan, uh, Nate Chen, I was asking her, 
to just keep tracking Occupy.、Uh, and so by the time the、uh, the rose of the name was premiered in November of 2014. We already have the tear gassing footage from、uh, September 28th. So, so even from that point on, I knew that、uh, I'm going to track the development. So I already have somebody、mm. at the site、yeah. filming all the activities, and so I mean a lot of the on-site footage are not from me. I mean, I was some, you know, some, I mean, of course, I visit the site. Yeah. yeah.、Uh, But、uh, but there is so much going on. I、yeah. mean, you are talking about so many days, so many days and, yeah, yeah, and also in、yeah. three sites, and yeah, yeah. and so I mean, I rely of you know on very diverse sources. But I did all the interview. I shape all the material, and and there's、uh, so much footage. It's, it almost feels a six TB hard drive. <laughs> so you you can、wow. imagine. So I mean, it was a lot of footage that I have to try to distill. Into a film that is less than two hours, it's almost two hours. It's yeah, pretty long.、Uh, yeah,、uh, yeah. But I mean, a lot of other films are. You know, there are some other films that are two and hours, two and a half hours long, three hours long. Yeah. And、sure. but when I'm editing it, I decided that it should not go over two hours. Oh, I see.、Uh, so so that's that's its length here、yeah, at the moment. I I was wondering as a as a librarian, I'm interested in where things are archived. There's no central repository for all the video、uh, that was shot. Obviously, there's no. You had to go to different sources to get it.、Huh? Of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Do you think ever there will be a、uh, like an umbrella movement collection archive, or is that ideally there should be?、Yeah. But I mean, I, at this point,、uh, I don't know where it should.、Be. I mean, actually, a lot of the artifacts, a lot of so-called umbrella umbrella art. Are now looking for a home. It's at, actually at Chinese U. There、yeah. is some at Chinese U,、yeah. but I mean, but、it's, there has、I'm、been、sure、some some,、yeah. some other collections and、yeah. Chinese U, such a centralized place. I don't know. I don't know how the extensive of the collection. It is pretty extensive. Yeah, Samson Wong has collected a lot. Yeah, yeah, Samson. Yeah. Samson yeah. has so,、uh, organized. He's、that. given that to、uh, Chinese U. I think M Plus has also some. Uh, plus, yeah,、well. yeah, I I don't know how much. Yes, yeah. So I I'm glad that to hear that you know at least one place is some, but but there are others. Yeah, yeah.、Uh, so I don't know how and where it should be. And I'm glad to hear that. But so far, it's been all these、uh, artifacts. Now, in terms of video footage or audiovisual documentation,、yeah. there's a lot. <laughs> and、sure. where should they go? Yeah. I, my personally, my I deposit my own material at the Hong Kong Film Archive. I、oh. haven't come around to、uh, making a donation yet. Sure, if they want to, as if they accept it, I'll donate my footage, the, all the footage that I've collected to them.、Uh, but maybe there should be more than one place、yeah. uh, for archiving. I, and so I've I've looked at. I I have made some. I in the past have donated some of my films to、uh, like UCLA Film Archive. You know,、mm. I don't know、uh, for you know、yeah. in the future what I'll do. I mean, I haven't come to that point yet. I mean, I'm very busy right now. Yeah, I think redundancy is good, and also duplication even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think because you don't want to, you know, if one 
website goes down, and but websites are not archival. Yeah. So websites have to be res uh, archived. Yeah. And when I was at uh, Irvine, I tried to do web archiving mm -hmm. of some uh, social media sites, mm -hmm. but those were dependent on the software and on how many links they actually end up archiving. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's the first degree of uh, connection, you know, and so it's not very deep because it, if you social media, the problem is it's too much, yeah. and so if you archive every all the links, it'll be just. You can, yeah. You can it's do it. impossible, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It just take over too much gigabytes and yeah. beyond, yeah. Yeah. So and so much of them is redundant, and even just uh, filtering them is a, is a problem. Yeah. 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 So yeah. And then who? And then at times it's hard to decide which is relevant, which is yeah. irrelevant. <laughs> who knows? You know, yeah. twenty years later, what yeah, people will come to, to a different conclusion. Anyway. Did you have to translate much of what you interviewed uh, into English? Uh, no, I mean, no. Uh, no, I mean, it depends on what you mean by translating them I mean to the English. I mean, Of course, subtitles, of uh, course. Subtitles, yeah. Subtitles. And are. the speeches, I mean, yeah. I mean, actually, I, I interview uh, people right. uh, when, you know, in some cases, I mean, Benny Tai, uh, now mainly Benny Tai, Martin Lee, Emily Lau uh, speak in English. Sure. And they are... There were some language issues uh, in terms of people's reaction uh, and from Hong Kong. Um, I don't want to make people feel that this film is not made for them. Mm. Um, and that is uh, something um, that I feel that I should well, I have not really uh, go into that. I mean, when I'm there, I do explain. The fact is, um, I hope they don't mind me saying that. I actually feel that Benny and Martin and Emily speak better English than Cantonese. Uh, because I think it's uh, on, they, and anyway, they articulate themselves more intellectually more clearly while they speak in English and also when you're dealing with the bilingual community or you know you, you a lot of people know that when you operate in more than one language you actually draw on different cultural assumptions etc mm. there is a danger of simplifying too much when you talk to your own community now I think that in uh, most interviews and maybe you know the media or the journalists are not too interested yeah. in citing certain references that they assume the readers are not interested or not familiar with. So like when I talk to Benny I always feel that that uh, reference about Martin Luther King uh, letters from Birmingham jail was an important right. source sure. and conceptualization of the entire civil rights movement and you know so by not referencing it you actually are not seeing Hong Kong as part of the intellectual international political current right, right. Uh, so I feel that you know by 
getting them to speak in English, actually a lot of their intellectual sources about the stand, understanding of oh, yeah. civil disobedience, right. etc. And especially in Martin and Benny's uh, exposition and uh, about how these concepts play out in Hong Kong and in how they conceive democratic movement in Hong Kong are important. And I feel that, you know, maybe their Cantonese vocabulary hasn't quite caught up with that. And that's why I asked them to speak in English. And at least, you know, I what I can do is I can use the Chinese subtitle to facilitate those concepts. Uh, so, I mean, they... and. Also, the entire democratic movement, for example, the three people I just mentioned, are typical of, or what I would say, they are the cream of the crop from the the colonial era. era. And elite in the sense I don't want, I mean, they are not uh, economic, social elite, but elites in terms of maybe the intellectual elites. Or, you know, they are people who are shaped by the best of the colonial era has to offer and that comes with certain understanding that comes to certain the central issue right. of the struggle true. of the concept of democracy it is not a homegrown concept it did not come from Chinese own culture it did not come from the local vernacular culture. It didn't come it, from May 4th movement. It did not. I mean, so even the May 4th movement was influenced yeah, by sure. certain international trends. Sure. So I mean, there is no reason for us to try to get around and escape from there. And if in this film, uh, by getting them to speak in English, uh, makes it easier to elucidate the discussion, I'll go for that. And so, I mean, that's one reason right. part of the film, there are significant, po- you know, certain significant portion are being um, conducted in English. And of course, I mean, when I interview uh, people like Arif Derling, Andrew Nathan, then you don't yeah. expect them to uh, yeah. speak Cantonese. And even, I mean, they, they speak, I mean, Mandarin. they speak Mandarin Arif, as well. Yeah, but but speak, on the yeah. other hand, Definitely. are they, uh, is that the best, <laughs> medium for them to be interviewed. Right. So I mean that's why I uh, so there's there's a kind of a, a bilingual documentary. Of course, more Cantonese than than English, and I don't expect a young student occupied to be speak to be speaking fluent English. So I mean I uh, that that that's uh, that's where the language decision comes from. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had the same uh, issue with. Uh I had to give a talk at the Hong Kong Reader, the Cultural Studies uh, bookshop on Sai Yong Choi Gai, and they, uh, <laughs> they asked me to speak in Cantonese, but I'm talking about social activism and stuff, and some of these social science terms, I, I grew up, I, mean, I grew up here, but I w- went to school in the US, and so I, I just didn't know how to express it. You, you cannot do simultaneous translation on your feet like that I mean maybe given some time you think about yeah. it but I mean and that's exactly the issue yeah, I'm that's talking issue. about yeah. I mean uh, if you ask them uh, Benny and Martin and, and Emily to immediately speak in Canada they switch to the more 
you know, familiar terrain for yeah. most people, and then you know, a lot will be lost. Yeah. yeah. But I had uh, somebody from the bookstore who actually interpreted mm. into Cantonese. So, but still it was uh, into uh, English. I mean, <laughs> so it was still a little bit uh, hard. They interpret. They 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 interpreted my. Uh, they because so I didn't know what the word was. No, into sorry, into uh, Cantonese for yeah, me, so I yeah. could say what the word I meant. But then a few months later, I said I gave a similar talk at Hong Kong U in English, which I felt actually easier for me. Yeah, in sure. that sense, because I hadn't been back for years, and so. Uh, but now it's coming back. Yeah. But mm -hmm. still, it's the social science terms. I, you know, I wasn't trained in that in Chinese, so it's harder. And also, I mean, even Chinese language. Uh, I mean, certain terms, and also you you have a different. Uh, linguistic development in these various uh, regions. Uh, for example, I mean, I I'm so used to all these years, uh, you know, for subculture. You know, in Hong Kong, we always oh, yeah. uh, translate as qi man fa, <laughs> and then apparently in in China, in Taiwan, they they inter they uh, they translate as ya ya wen hua a man fa. So I mean, all these subtle yeah. differences. Yeah. At times, I myself was lost. I mean, I, I mean, yeah. so so it is difficult, even when you talk about uh, uh, speaking in Chinese, because you know our uh, and and probably because of social media, because of the internet, every linguistic system is evolving very rapidly. Yeah. There are all these terms that you know that are new. That you don't know where yeah. they are, and it took a while. You know, <laughs> even for myself, it was evolving yeah. so quickly. I mean, suddenly there's this term, "wolei fei fei," and I was, "What is this?" You know, it's, it's actually <laughs> an abbreviation of about uh, 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 pe uh, peaceful, uh, uh, rational, non-violence, and non what. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, this war is war ping, laser lacing, fei bolik, fei fei what? I forget. I mean, anyway. So, so I mean, all these new terms are just emerging. I mean, even with the, you, you already have. You're talking about new terms coming out of the umbrella movement. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, so it, but then I mean, would you suddenly throw this word war lei fei fei? I mean, do they understand in Taiwan or China? Yeah. So, so, I mean, you are talking yeah. about each sub-linguistic system is evolving and all producing all these new terms. Uh, so, so I feel that you know this linguistic uh, situation is complex, and at times, you know, to make a film uh, for the local audience and also for the international audience, you run into some problems. Complicated. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I saw the same thing last year when I came to give a talk at a conference on the future of libraries, and I realized the catalogs use uh, simplified or uh, uh, change it to Mandarin. Yeah, some of the simplified, catalogs locally, yeah. locally, and uh, so uh, a book by uh, Joshua Wong, when he says, "I want my silo," I'm not a kid, basically, is transliterated as "I'm not a little rogue." <laughs> um, so how do you explain Cantonese when everything is changed into Mandarin's? Uh, I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me. And so, but that's the way. It's like, is it really 
Uh, you mean, One country you mean to I'm not a small road is it translates from Mandarin into English. It became I'm not a little road. Well, they wouldn't say that, but it's trans in Mandarin. It's I'm not. What was it? Xiao Lu. Xiao Lu. Yeah. I mean, it's it's Okay. Yeah. I think they they put it in Pingyang right after, and then his name also was changed into Huang Zifeng. Yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, they are. But so the Cantonese origin of the name is is lost. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's a problem for Hong Kong literature and authors here that uh, who want to retain their own identity. It's it's almost impossible now with the catalogs. Yeah, they because they want intercomparability or something. Inter. Uh, there's one system now. Actually, since I came last year. All the catalogs have merged into one catalog. All the eight universities, mm. and so it's just eventually it'll be all Mandarin, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, yeah. there is also uh, a movement. I yeah. mean, uh, from top down mm. to really mainlandize, and meaning that you know to really treat Cantonese as a uh, less and less a dominant language, and and yet you know this is. And yet, with social media, it's always very vernacular. Yes. So yeah. I think that you know. So in a way, the social media intensify local identity. Yeah. And yet, you know, on the official level, they want to intensify what they call national identity. I think that that's why the conflict uh, arises partly, uh, partly because of that, because of the intensification in both directions. Yeah. Then, of course, I mean, you have all the other social, political, economic yeah. factors as well. Yeah. So, are you uh, were you surprised that you couldn't present the film at Asia Society, uh, or? <laughs> yeah, I, yes, I was. I mean, I. So that just happened. I because mean, they've shown it before, right? A preview of the film. No, they oh. showed the uh, the very short version. Oh like yeah. The twenty-six minute version. Uh, along with my other film, To Live, my first film, oh, and, oh. and the, and the, uh, there was a um, uh, post-screening panel, but all academics, literary scholars. I mean, I don't. I mean, it. It was. I mean, the, the that panel. Uh, I mean, the occasion actually was. For to mark the publication of my uh, the anthology about my work published by University of Hong Kong Press. Right. Um, so that was what uh, uh, post-colonialism. Uh, uh, yeah, and uh, alternative yeah, history. Yeah. 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 Uh, the cinema of Evans Chan. Yeah. So that was the occasion. So I don't think the political. Uh, Component of my work is not so upfront. Is I, I mean, of course, the main What's offering it? that evening was to live, and to live is more about post-sentiment Hong Kong, June Fourth Hong Kong, and actually today, it's less of a taboo to talk about that. Huh. Th- then you know, I mean, each era has its own taboo. Yeah. Now, uh, that was, not, uh, that was a huge taboo in China. But not at those moment in Hong Kong. This was the when in, you showed the in eighty nine. That was in eighty nine. But in uh, in the Asia, Asia Society. Society program uh, was in. Uh, so of course, I think it's nineteen uh, twenty fifteen maybe. 
Uh, so, so that was I, the early version. So that was the very short version oh, of, okay. uh, of Umbrella. I mean, that short version 26, work in progress version uh, was shown at a couple of places, uh, uh, some universities, but I mean, that was, that was not the main event that evening. So, uh, and, but then, you know, my, when the main event came and it came with this panel, uh, so uh, Martin Lee has agreed to it and Benny Tai has agreed to be a, a, a panelist and at the time Joshua Wong said that he's going to go uh, he, he would be traveling so Nathan Law committed himself to it mm. I invited Jasper Zhang mm. he declined to come you know citing some prior engagement or something uh, and it's because of the panel I was told that they had problems with the event uh, and that happened after the event was announced. This online. was last year? That was last October yeah. and last November. November. Yeah. So, so I did ask, you know, whether you still want to show the film, they say maybe not. And <laughs> so that was that. Uh, so that was that. And, and uh, somehow what happened at uh, uh, University of Science and Technology is a repeat of what happened, but then at least this time they did not cancel the okay. screening itself. And uh, for the sake of communicating with the university students, I accept the invitation and just to show the film and I myself would be uh, attending the event. Uh, I feel that it's still important to reach out to the students and let this film be shown to them, at least as many people as possible. Uh, and so that's why I accepted. Yeah. So you you participate in the post uh, screening yes. discussion. Yeah, yeah. Do you know who cancelled it? I don't know. I mean, at USD. Uh, I was just being told that uh, after again, you know, after the panel has been confirmed, and even a fly has been made that somebody or the administration intervene uh, that's and so that that's what we were informed that there are problems and the panelists have been disinvited except me so that's what happened I don't know who, who was the person who who carried that out um, yeah so I mean and how do you look at uh, how the system work, you know, how do you know? To what extent it was just within the university? Mm. Or to what extent it just self-censorship within the university? I mean, at, you know, at, at yeah. some point it's very hard to determine. Right. Yeah. How do you feel about it? <laughs> so. I don't think it's a very encouraging thing for, mm. for me as a filmmaker for Hong Kong. Uh, because I do feel that uh, you know, freedom of expression is important and what kind of subversion or subversiveness they expect from such a screening and from discussions like that and uh, like uh, Professor Chen Kiman said if you cannot discuss politics in university where can <laughs> you discuss it? Yeah. Uh, so I mean uh, it, it is uh, it should not I mean I mean, it should be, university campuses should be a place for freedom exchange of ideas. And whether certain idea 
compromise incitement, okay, it's another story. And whether incitement can be translated as political action is something else. And even as political action, to what extent the authority should handle it is yet another question. I've been saying to, uh, I've, I make that statement on, in many places, on many platforms. I was saying if the most sensitive thing is about Hong Kong independence, they have independent referendum or initiative like in Quebec almost every election cycle they have that in Scotland and yet you know most people still prefer to stay so what is the huge threat and even the recent Catalan independence movement we all know that I mean we know from the opinion poll actually the majority of the people are in favor of staying in Spain and yet why would the Spanish government not allowing them to even have a referendum mm -hmm. and they actually resent not having a referendum more than you know <laughs> uh, uh, I mean they actually prefer to stay but they resent and not being the chance of expressing themselves, their, themselves in wanting to stay yeah. so I mean why do you foreclose discussions yeah. You know, issues like that, and I so I don't think it's a constructive way to resolving social tension, um, and that's how I how I always feel it. And also, you know, in independent movement is hard to uh, be successful. And I was also talking to some localists. I say that you know, it's not a matter of whether you even have a referendum. For you to become in independent, you need diplomatic recognition. This is where the hard part comes in. Uh, and so I said, you can, I mean, sure, everybody can have an, an opinion. Everybody, if you feel that you want to go ahead, go ahead. And if, you, if there is a political genius among you who can, you know, convince China, convince the international community in allowing you to become independent, then, then that will happen. So, uh, but I, I'm not saying that you should or should not. Uh, I, I'm, I'm fairly neutral on that issue. Uh, but I do feel that what I am not neutral about is the, uh, the uh, permission or the uh, ability to have freedom exchange of opinion. I think that is uh, more of a principle that I am uh, partial to. So uh, on that note, uh, this show is called Subversity Show, <laughs> <laughs> and so we should end here now. It's an appropriate ending. <laughs> okay, so thank this. you. Okay, thank you very much, Evans. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye.